songs from blood-washed tongues. So watch grace as time. You are the reason why we're here. We're here to remember the cross from where you bled. We're here to remember you rose up from the dead. We're here to remember you will come again. And you still say sinful men. Yes, you still say sinful men. Oh, you still say sinful men. Lord, you are the reason why we're here. Lord, to you we're drawing near. Make us more like your son. Complete the work you have begun. You are the reason why we're here. Make us more like your son. Complete the work you have begun. You are the reason why we're here. her smile but she never lost her Jesus he was with her all the while Jesus counted every hair she lost and bottled every tear whispered faith my sister be filled with faith not fear for you more than 
the Cross Point Baptist Church this Palm Sunday. I wanted to welcome those watching on Facebook live as well as we take today. And it really sets the, um, the, the, the tone, the atmosphere for our Easter time, this time of year, this season. Uh, it culminates in, in two different areas. One is... Palm Sunday is, is tricky because it, it's the triumphal entry. We're going to be sharing about that in just a little bit. It, it's, it's the Easter is the apex, if you will, of our year of celebration of Jesus Christ. The tricky part is when they had the palm branches, and we've had those here in the past, and they're waving them. The same people that were, were waving and saving, saying, save now. We're just a short time later saying, crucify, crucify. So uh, as we think about the, the Palm Sunday and what it represents, our hope for you as a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, our hope for you that is perhaps wayward and don't know Christ, is that you would either revisit or have that triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into your life. Amen? That's a good one. So we're going to celebrate today. Uh, again, we are... Um, uh, we'll be talking about the triumphal entry tonight. We will be celebrating as a church body. We're coming together to partake of the Lord's table in communion, the Lord's Supper at 6 o'clock right here for the church, uh, for our church. And we will not be having Facebook tonight as well. But it's vitally important that we understand why we're here today. Put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face. It's a great day to be in God's house. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, allowing us all to be here. You've provided a day. You've provided uh, a place. You've provided people and things that we have at our fingertips. I pray that as we come together, the, the relationships that have been formed, the spirit with which our, 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 our conversations and 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 lives as they intersect, that, that it will be well-honoring unto you. So bless the reading of your word today. May we understand, may we feel and experience the Passion Week this week as we share some timelines, we share heart, uh, but more, most importantly, your word. Bless today, with, uh, again, with your presence in each and every person in this room and those that are watching on Facebook. Of just prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning as we sing to our Savior, This is Amazing Grace. Who 
Sunday, Lord, for that day in which you were celebrated as the king, Lord, but we know that Palm Sunday was just the start of a week that would lead to your rejection by your people, God, who would then cry, crucify you. Lord, please accept our worship this morning as we reflect through song, through your word on what you've done for us on the cross, Lord. We worship you this morning because you didn't stay on that cross. We're already looking forward to next Sunday when we can say you are risen and risen indeed. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our Savior. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. In talking with, well, the staff that's here, I'll probably how I should say it, with Andrew and Brad and a little bit with Rick, but we are... Uh, focused and excited on today, but we, we, we can't help but look to next Sunday already, and that's probably not the right thing to do, as there is an excitement for us that comes on Easter morning, Easter morning, resurrection morning. So next, to, and to fully appreciate the resurrection as we celebrate it, we need to understand and have a working knowledge of this known what is known as the passion week why you're not going to fully appreciate the resurrection until you really feel and understand and appreciate the depth of the cross the depth of our savior the depth of the suffering and dying so it's 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 a catch-22 it's 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 again it's like um we have to feel some hard things in order to feel the the, the beauty of the resurrection and the life. Say life with me today. We have a, a golden opportunity today to experience life. Christ is uh, tonight, in fact tonight, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 as we consider the triumphal entry this morning. And even tonight, I'm going to continue on with Luke 19 and a couple more verses on how Christ, he cried and he wept over Jerusalem because they missed the golden opportunity. Don't you miss the golden opportunity today? So uh, in Luke 19 is where we'll be at. 
um, so tonight we are having the Lord's Supper as a church body will come together at 6 o'clock for this all-important ordinance of the church. There's an ordinance there. It's not, to be honest with you, to, as a, a Bible-believing member of Cross Point Baptist Church, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, it's not an option. It's really not an option. He, he, it's an ordinance that he's given to the church. And I don't know how to emphasize that more than just making my forehead crinkle up and drop my eyebrows. I don't know how to make it more intense. But when we understand the scripture and, and what it cost and the, and, and the meaning of it, you'll understand that it's not an option to honor him in that way. But here we are at Palm Sunday. And up to Palm Sunday, Jesus was slowly informing his disciples <coughs> and the people that was within earshot uh, of the three years of his public ministry why he came and what he was about to do. Why he came, he was slowly informing them. Well, you've seen this time and again where you're reading the Gospels and at one time uh, he'll, he'll, do some, he'll do maybe a miracle and some words to say, don't tell anyone. Why? Because his time wasn't yet. Or you could see another time where they wanted to make him king and he would go, not yet, not yet. Well, Palm Sunday today, the most amazing fact about Palm Sunday is probably this point right here. The triumphal entry is that they let him do it. He let them do it. The thing they have been wanting to do forever, for three years, for three, they've been wanting to make him king, wanting to uh, have him come in as, as, as a ruler and take care of Rome once and for all. They are a province over us. And, and usually when a, a king or a conqueror would come in, they would come in on a, a steed, a horse. And um, they were, had been wanting to do this for some time. And now Jesus is about to allow them to do it. But he's going to do it, of course, his way. And uh, so if you'll turn to Luke 19, it is good to see. Actually, Melissa Bovey is running our Facebook Live tonight. So let me turn around and say hello to Melissa Bovey today. I love it because what I do is when I go from side to side, they have to jump up and grab the camera. So she's already standing, just ready to go with it. But it is good. And Melissa, we want you to know that uh, we, this church body has been praying for you over the last couple weeks. And um, my goodness, you're so quiet. They all come to me for questions. So, uh, but it's good to have you here, um, no doubt. Everything is about to bottleneck down into what is known as the Passion Week. We have, over the years, had some suggested timelines. Notice I say the word suggested timelines of the week. It's, uh, there's a couple things in there that's um, food for thought. We don't know everything for certain, but <clears throat> the, um, it, we're, we're, everything's coming down. Palm Sunday is important because he let it happen. But now he's saying, let this, now's the time. In the fullness of time, the Bible says, is when Christ went to the, uh, the, the cross, the burial, and the resurrection. Mark, all four Gospels, by the way, record the triumphal entry. All four of them. Now, it's interesting because Mark and, uh, well, mainly Mark, he spends a third of his Gospel, a third of his book, on just this week. What's that tell us? That it's important. 
and everyone will give a little bit more information. But Luke is where I want us to look this morning. This is one we, that I traditionally go to is Luke uh, on as we kick off our, our Passion Week. Does anybody grew up in a church where you had palm leaves on today? You grew up in a church, you had grabbed a palm leaf. We've done it here in the past. Um, we don't always do it. Um, but uh, I want you to think about this as we get to this portion of Scripture. When the people are waving the palm leaves, right? Um, it's, we see it in the Old Testament. We will see it, in Re- we see it in Revelation too. So it's not that it's good or bad to do. It's why do we do it? Why were they doing it? I want you to think about that. And think about yourself as you may be this morning. If we had palm leaves, could have been potentially waving palm leaves. What are we saying by waving the palm leaves? What are they saying do our lives meet? So Luke chapter 19, verse 28, and we'll read through verse 40. And it reads, When he had said this, he went on ahead up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethany and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, and on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosening it? Thus you shall say to him, uh, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. Verse 33, but as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to him, said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they drew their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And listen what they're saying in verse 38. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in in heaven and glory in the highest. They're quoting Psalm 118 right there. Verse 39, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, verses 41 through 44, we're going to look at tonight. But I want you to consider this morning the portion of Scripture that we just covered. And there's areas that we can learn from about our Savior. you got to know Him. Do you know Him today? As, As He walks and He lived on this earth, These people got to see and touch and feel, but they still had to believe. You know what? You have something greater to do. You have to believe. You have to believe. Some people would not see him as the Messiah because they wouldn't believe it. They they were already shut their own mind's eye off. They just weren't going to believe he was Messiah. Therefore, they never could see him as Messiah. If you see Jesus Christ as a Savior, it's because your eyes of understanding have been opened. You haven't shut off your heart to what he's up to. I want you to see in verse 28 and 29 how Jesus leads here. Verse 28 says, when he had said this, he went on ahead. He was ahead of them. 
He knew where he was going. He's going up to Jerusalem, going up to Jerusalem. He went on ahead. Now, we always think that Jesus had this entourage all the time, and there were the disciples around the bulk of the time, but it says here that he went on ahead of them. How many of you know that Jesus Christ is always one step ahead of you? He's always ahead. He's omniscient. He's, um, 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 he's all the omnis. He's, he's always one step ahead. You never have to worry about catching him off guard. You never have to worry about something happening in your life, you being shocked and going, God, did you know? Do you see what's going on? He knows. He's omniscient. But he led them to Jerusalem is what we see in verse 28. Come, he, he went on ahead of them. Uh, he took them to the place that was the controversial point. I, the term I used in the past is hotbed. It was a hotbed of religion. World religion was squeezed in Jerusalem. There was all kinds of, of, of uh, madness going on there as it relates to who is God, how do you get to God, and all the forms of God that were around. You may think right now in 2022 that there is more religions, there's more uh, even denominations or, or anything you want to phrase right now than there were before. But you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. There's not. There was pantheism, polytheism. There's all kinds of, of, of world religions. And Jesus went to the center point. Several years ago, Joyful Group, we went to Omnimax. And we saw a, um, who's ever been to Omnimax down at, uh, what's it called? Museums. I call it Natural Museum. It's not that anymore. Museum Center. And uh, so you're there. And, and what I didn't realize in modern age is how intense Jerusalem still is today. Where three groups of religions were fighting for one little area. I forgot that. And they're all living in the same area. Well, it was as intense, maybe more, even then. That's where Jesus wanted to take his disciples. The disciples knew the threats and the intensity that was in the city. Jesus had openly rebuked the Pharisees. Openly. And there they are within his shadow. Guilty by association. So he leads them to his last week of living, and, he, and he's ultimately going to lead them to his death. So picture, if you will, with me, they're following Christ. He has the words. Remember when Peter said, where else are we going to go? We have nowhere else to go. We're going to follow you. We've forsaken all. We're following you. And they don't realize that they're following him on his last week of living on this earth in that form. That would be a little intimidating. And then they don't realize that he's leading them to where they can have the potentiality of witnessing his death. Man, that would be crippling to your leader, to watch your leader die. I want you to remember that the Lord never leads where he doesn't provide. Romans chapter 5. He never leads where he doesn't provide. It's all good where he leads you. But pastor, I got bad things happening in, in my life. Bad things from whose perspective? 
How many times have we seen in Scripture, how many times have we seen in our church body what appears to be a bad thing, we see it be a blessing in disguise? We've seen it. We've seen people drawn closer because of uh, oppression. We've seen people draw closer to God because of, of physical ail, uh, ailments and things of this nature. But he never leads where he doesn't provide. Verse 28, it says, and when he had said this, he went up Jerusalem uh, to the Mount of Olives uh, or Olivet got its name from the surrounding olive trees. So it was an olive, olive grove, if you will. And it, uh, it's also within sight of, and this is important, the temple. It's in sight of the temple where they were. Why is that important? Remember, they're seeking God in the temple. Jesus had been in the temple. They didn't like what he was saying. The place where they were seeking God, seeking perhaps even the Messiah, and yet he was right there the whole time. We see in verse 29, it says, And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethany, and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples. Again, Matthew, uh, Mark, and John are also tell of this week, this triumphal entry. And as uh, uh, he sent two of them, he pulled them aside. And this is what he said to them. And there's a little nuance here. I want you to see if you catch it. Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. He sent two of his disciples on a special mission. And he just gives them some instruction. Verse 31. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So you're going to go to an area and you're going to ask for, you're going to see a colt. You're going to untie it. Somebody's going to speak to you. And then this is how I want you to reply. Now, in our culture, that's called stealing. When you take something without permission, it doesn't belong to you. And I want you to see something I found very interesting uh, in verse 30. Um, I'm sorry, verse 31. Uh, he says, if anyone asks you why you are losing it, thus you shall say to him, singular, him. Remember that. We're going to pick that up again in a moment. Jesus told them exactly where they would find the animal, and that's exactly what, what they would say and how you're to reply, and that's exactly what happened. Don't you love those moments? It's like, you, it's like God shares with you something that only you know, that only God can do. To go somewhere, to see what he said you would see, to do what... Uh, what you're told to do, but watch them do what he said they would do is uh, supernatural, really, in, in, in an experience. So they have confirmation, I would assume, when they even walk up and see this cult. They would have confirmation. Look at it with me in verse 32. So those who, uh, who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. Lo and behold, wow. Verse 33, but as they were loosening the cult, the owners of it said to them let me pause right there did you catch it they were to speak to him in verse 31 but we see now that they're owners more than one owner of the cult of the cult 
So, uh, and they say, why are you loosening the colt? They were willing to release this colt for Jesus. Now, the question becomes, why? Why on just some guy showing up would they be willing to let them have this colt? I mean, there's no, all they said was our Lord has need of him. Did they know Jesus prior to? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, did they know the disciples by uh, recognition if they had known Christ? Maybe. We don't know. It's pretty trusting just to let somebody have your property with no more explanation than that. Odds are they knew of Jesus to some degree. And they let, they just automatically just do. They obey and they follow and they do. Well, they may have, uh, uh, the cult is an animal of humility. An animal with peaceful intentions. By and large. But a horse was for the wealthy. A horse was for the noble. A horse was also for battle. Are all these things true of Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. Right now he's coming into Jerusalem. He's going to come into Jerusalem on a donkey. But how many of you know that he's coming back? And when he comes back, he's going to be seen on a, on a horse arrayed and ready for battle. By the way, you may think, well, that's someday. He's doing battle right now. He's doing battle right now. You may think, Pastor, this is all spiritual stuff. What are you talking about? In Revelation, this, these are literal things that are going to happen where he comes back ready for battle. And you don't want to miss the opportunity. We're misreading Christ. We've presented him probably too soft in the American church for too long. He's not that soft. He's perfect is what he is. It's who he is. He is perfect. He knows how to be gentle and graceful and, 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 and woo you and bring you into his, uh, into his life. And he also knows how he will be judging firmly and it won't be incorrect. Jesus has peaceful intentions in mankind's life as well, by and large, to bring you to the creator. So why is it that when we mention the name of Jesus Christ in our culture that people become argumentative, indignant? Why is that? I was in Faithful Life this morning. Who was I in? Real life, real life, this morning. And um, I had this thought that why is it? I, I still don't understand it. I've said this from the pulpit up here. To those watching on Facebook, somebody give me an answer. What is so scary to our culture about Christianity of the Bible? It, it, it doesn't have bad intentions. It has good intentions. It, it doesn't cause harm. It causes peace and unity is what the gospel message. What is so offensive and, 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 and damning about Bible-believing churches that want to share this message with other people? It's unifying, not dividing. Well, I kind of already know the answer. When you come to him, it's unifying. But if you won't come to him, it's very dividing. Let's take a moment now and look in verses 35 through 39. Because this is where it starts to get a little bit more applicable for you and I. Verse 30 um, and 35. 
Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. They threw their own clothes on the colt just to make a seat. There's, I don't think there's any more symbolism than that. If you've ever ridden a horse before, I've actually ridden a horse before bareback one time. One, one and done for me. Uh, if you ever want to hear that story and be entertained at my expense, I'll share it with you, but not right now. But uh, they provided the, a seat for him to make a, a, a saddle. Probably no other reason than for comfort. Verse 36. And as he went, many spread their, spread their clothes on the ground. They spread their clothes on the ground. Why would they do that? Well, when we look at the Old Testament, we look in 2 Kings chapter 9, we see that it was a sign of a dignitary greeting. It was a way of the city and the people welcoming him by putting their clothes on the ground as he traveled across them. That was the, that was the purpose of it. It, was, it would be like equivalent to our red carpet today. Dignitary, okay? Verse uh, 37. Then as, as, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. That's in verse 37. As he descended from the western base, basically, to Jerusalem, the whole multitude of disciples, say disciples, Remember that word means learner. Remember that. There were more than 12, you know. There were more than 12 disciples. And it says that in verse 37, they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice. Why? For what they had seen. One thing that I struggle with personally, not knowing how to do this, and I think as I try to figure out how to lead us to do this, is how to celebrate Jesus Christ. How do we do it without drawing attention to ourselves and making it showy about us, but at the same time, show praise and adoration to him? I get stuck on that. I, I mean, there's all kinds of ways I, I, I suppose it can be done. We want to honor our church service, but, you know, the Bible says that David actually danced. There's musical instruments and all these things, and, and sometimes I think we want to be too polished to where we just don't let genuine, honest worship and praise happen. But I don't know how to do that uh, exactly either. But it says that they, they, they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice. Praising God for all the works that they had seen. You may think, but Pastor Scott, I haven't seen a bunch of works that God has done. If you're, a, if you're a genuine believer today and your destiny has radically changed, your eternal, you, there's a work right there. There is a work all throughout our life if we would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. What kind of miracles did they see? Well, probably uh, because it was in close proximity to this time frame, the miracles concerning the raising of the dead is one. But look in verse 38. This is where I wanted to draw application, and hopefully I'm not, um, 
I'm not reiterating what uh, Brad had said the first during um, our LifePoint Bible study groups, but this is where I want you to draw a personal application. Look in verse 38. They're quoting from Psalm 118. This is what they were saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This psalm is about the Messiah. That's what it's about. They're, they're, he's allowing them to recognize him as that Messiah. Luke adds peace in heaven. <clears throat> reciting the angels. But listen, you can recite all the scripture, scripture and angels that you want. You're not going to get what you want unless God gives it to you. We ask amiss, according to James. We ask for our own personal reasons. So this is where the palm branches would have been waved, right here. And uh, palm branches are, are interesting. They serve a lot of things in that day symbolically. But one thing they also did, they provided some comfort in hot and heat, right? But they would wave these palm branches. Some were big, some would have been small. This is that area. In fact, keep your finger there. Luke, look in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12 and verse 13. If we had palm branches, we may do this next year. Who knows? I don't like to do it every year. We haven't done it in about, I don't know, 15 years, so we'll probably do. Where I would have you right now take those palm branches and just start waving them. Listen, I'm setting you up for something, people. Are you with me? I'm setting you up for something. But in, in, in John chapter 12, verse 13, then it says they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, and they cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna means save now. That's what they're crying out, save now. But what are they referring to when they're saying save now versus what Jesus saves now from? Save now. Save us from Rome. Save us from all the oppression. Make us our promised land, our promised people. We want to be that again. We want to make Israel great again. We want that. That's what we want. Oh, y'all caught that, didn't you? So we want, we, we want you to be our Messiah. Save now from the oppression of government. But that's not the, what the Messiah came to do per se. Not first and foremost. Verse 13 goes on, Hosanna, save now, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. The rec uh, Psalm is getting it. Psalm is recognizing the Messiah. The people in John 12, the people in Luke 19 are missing it. How do we know? Because in just a short time, the cries that went from blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, they turned to crucified crucify we can't help but wonder where our heart is on that portion of scripture why is it significant that they wave these palm branches well one we know they were used in the feast of tabernacles we see that in leviticus 23 israel was commanded to have this feast to commemorate god's hand as he delivered them to the promised land this was israel's thanksgiving we have Thanksgiving in November. We know our, why we do it. This is Israel's Thanksgiving as commanded by God. This is when you're going to have it. And this is exactly what 
Christ is going to provide through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Look in verse 39. Verse 39 says, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Stop this. They're, they're, they're demanding it. They had been demanding it. Now they're really uh, uh, becoming indignant that Jesus would be publicly honored in this way. It was blasphemous that he would do this. Stop your disciples now is how verse 39 reads. But here's what we see in verse 40. Here's what you're about to see as we take this day and start to sure it up in our heart. As we take this day again and, 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 and when we leave here this morning, I hope it leaves a, 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 a reminder and prepares your heart for tonight. Jesus will be praised. Look in verse 40. Let me read verse 30, the back part of verse 39. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now look in verse 40. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would immediately cry. Jesus Christ will be praised. Praise for him is inevitable. Whether you do it or not, it's going to happen. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees as being more hard-hearted and, and, and unresponsive than those stones. Anybody here got a pet rock? Maybe the best pet to ever have. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to clean up after it. It doesn't cost you any money, per se. But a rock, other than a paperweight or decorative purpose, it, they are hard, unresponsive, cannot interact Jesus is telling them that they are like those stones. You're more hard-hearted than those stones. And by the way, the, 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 the earth and the stones did cry out. Look with me in Matthew 27, 51. 27, 51. This is exactly what happened as we think about the... Uh, the death of Jesus Christ, 2751. It says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We know the significance there. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. The rocks were split. That's exactly what happened that if they didn't praise, he will be praised. By the way, going back to Luke 19, we see that Jesus also took away their future argument. What was their future argument? They couldn't say that we would have praised him if we had known. He just told them. Now you know. Listen, people that are listening this morning, members of Crosspoint and beyond, this is also a warning for us. Ignorance of the law... Ignorance of Scripture, ignorance of Christ can be no excuse when he's plainly giving you the opportunity to hear. He's plainly laying it out in Scripture. You're here today on purpose. You may think, well, man, if I had never heard, well, then I would have an excuse. You're hearing today. There is a warning that goes out. You need to turn from self and turn to him. So he took away their first argument that they, if they had only known, then we would have. 
Don't be at the judgment seat of Christ as a believer and trying to pull the excuse of, I didn't know. It won't work. Don't be that one that's caught up in the party. And listen, this is what we're talking about today. That's caught up in the Hosanna and the waving the palm branches back and forth because they were, they were recognizing the Jesus that they wanted, not Jesus of the Bible. Huge difference. Huge difference in churches today. Jesus of the Bible, not Jesus. Uh, Jesus of the Bible is who you seek, not the Jesus that you want. Don't be caught up in the party of Jesus only to leave him out. That was a good line right there. So many times we've been to events and, and there's a party atmosphere and you forget why you're even there. A crowd draws a crowd type of scenario. Don't switch from Hosanna to crucify him and there's the application for us. How many times do we do that? How many times do we go through the motions on Sunday or, or maybe even be genuine only to let one little thing slip us up on Tuesday afternoon that would cause us to yell, crucify, because he didn't deliver the way we thought that he would deliver. He is the Savior all the time. We come to him. I was going to share verses 41 through 44 tonight, but I'd like to take a moment and share them now. Because verses 41 through 44, it looks like a switch is happening, but it's really not. Look in verse 41. Now as he drew near to the city and wept over it. How many of you know that Jesus had emotion? He had emotion. He feels. Here's, uh, in fact, we talked about it in real life this morning. How many times that he showed emotion? How many times did he cry? How many times? And in fact, they started naming him. How many times was he angry? In the temple, numerous. So as, uh, as we look here this morning, we think about the fact that he, in verse 41, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. What did he see? The buildings? The commerce? He saw the people. And he could see right through them to their heart of hearts. And it says that he cried. Verse 42 saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this hour, in this your, in this, your day, the things <clears throat> that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 41 and 42 tells you why he cried. He cried because of the missed opportunity. Believer, worship him for who he is and fully, fully, don't miss the opportunity. Tonight, I, I don't want to get too uh, firm here. Well, I don't mind being firm, but I don't want to get too, push it too far. But there's really no excuse if you're a member of this church and you're a believer to not be here tonight. If your excuse is, well, I'm just not used to coming back on Sunday night. When you're a believer and you give your life to him, it will alter your life. You should alter your life to be here to commemorate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The very thing that gives you life, now and forever, is what we commemorate tonight. But they had a missed opportunity in verse 41, well, 42 mainly. They had received and recognized the Messiah as the Messiah, 
they, if, if they had received him, the Messiah as the Messiah, there's a key line, they would have life and peace, but now it was too late. Now it was too late. We spent too much time trying to, to coddle people and bring them along and not give them the warning of sin and the damaging effects of sin. When was the last time you've seen the word sin mentioned in a newspaper or on a news broadcast? We see these things on the news and they're horrific, they're terrible, they're, they're, they're atrocious. You know what they are? They're sin. When was the last time you've seen the word sin mentioned in the, in the newscast? You're not going to. Sin hurts, sin costs. There comes a time when it's going to be too late. Even as a believer, you don't want him to come back when you're right in the middle of that sin of the heart or sin of the hands. He knew that the people, Jerusalem, had determined what they would do with him. He already knew it. Why? He's all-knowing. But because of the rejection, their eyes were blinded. Please remember this. Salvation isn't for someday. It's for today. The gospel is living. It's to be lived out. You need saved today from yourself, from the world, and on the list goes. You need the gospel message today, not someday. I remember one time a, a family, mom and dad had proclamation of faith, and their, their last child had made that proclamation, made that saved, and the mom went, oh, I can rest now. All my kids are in, all my eggs are in one basket, was the exact phraseology, and we're all going to heaven. Now, if that was genuine Conversion, I, I'm with you. But it's so much more than I got my eggs in a basket, now someday we're all going to be good. The gospel is way more alive and active than that. Are you allowing the gospel to work in your life? Because of their rejection, their eyes were blinded. They, they weren't going to be convinced. Because they would not see him, they could not see him. That's a good one. Because they would not see him, now they could not see him. Let us sit at Christ's feet until we learn the secret of his tears here. Take a moment. Sit at his feet in verse 41. Why did he cry and stay there? How long did he cry? What did it sound like? Andrew used the phrase this morning. At some point, I wonder if Jesus did the ugly cry. The cry where you're falling apart. Think about him at the Garden of Gethsemane. I bet that was an ugly tearful moment but when you learn the secret of his tears is when you'll learn the innermost part of you probably as well verse 43 and 44 says four days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Verse 43 and 44 is a, Jesus gives a, a glimpse, whether they heard it and embraced it, but he gives them a glimpse or a preview in the siege that was about to happen, the siege that was about to happen in A.D. 69 and 70. Just a handful of years later from General Titus, the Roman officer. And if you look and, and if you 
read the history of that, Israel was demolished. He's giving them this. That's why he's crying. Because here's the opportunity. You're fake praising me. You're fake. And he knew who the, he knew who the posers were. You're fake praising me. And now he's crying because they were going to miss it. And he knew the end result. Horrific effects were going to happen to them because they did not know the time of the visit of his visitation. Have you had a triumphal triumphant entry into your heart, into your life of Jesus Christ today? Have you had that moment that's not superficial? It's not going through the motions. It's not going along with the crowd of the church. But that triumphal entry where Christ is is, is taking up residence in your life. Now there's a reason to be waving the palm branches. The Lord has visited the city with the offer of salvation and the people didn't want him. My question for you is, do you want Jesus Christ? Do you want him? The believer needs to desire him. Different, looks different, but just as much as the unbeliever needs to desire him. Believer for purity, for holiness, for sanctification. How about just to know that you know that he's with me? The unbeliever for forgiveness, peace, and eternity. As we draw a conclusion on this Palm Sunday morning, again, tonight we'll be taken to the table. I want to encourage you to think these things over. Have you had that triumphal entry into your heart? The real triumphal entry, not the one that everybody else is doing this morning. Not the one that, that goes through the motions, but the one that's very much personal. Personal. And then when we come together after having that personal entry, we're going to have a glorious corporate worship and what that looks like. Let's bow for prayer. We found it needful today to have a time of invitation, a time of reflection for you to come and make that a reality in your life of having Christ first and foremost in your heart. You know what this time is for. I pray that you would make the most of it. The Lord bless this invitation time, a time where we invite uh, those listening to come in their hearts, maybe even bring their bodies down to front to be in a time of, of prayer, of solitude with you. Or we invite those to bring others with them just to pray because they're wayward and struggling as a believer. And it's always sin that's the culprit. I pray that it's an invitation from you as you knock on hearts' doors that people will be quick to respond. I lift his prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you stand as Andrew leads us in this song? The altar is open for you to pray or do any business that you would have to do. We haven't done this in a while. Take advantage of this time. Andrew.
before the throne. I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as All right, several things to mention, as you heard Pastor uh, discuss during the, the message today. There will be no Facebook Live tonight. We'll be gathering as a corporate body here tonight at 6 o'clock to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, there will also be no Facebook Live next week, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes because of Easter. But uh, going through the week, so uh, family night is on Wednesday at 6.30. You have grief share on Thursday at 7 o'clock. Friday, the New Life uh, Youth Group will have an all-nighter. That, uh, I believe that begins uh, that evening, either at 6 or 7 o'clock. I'm sure they'll send out some information about that. The ladies' Bible study will begin on Saturday. That'll be at 9 a.m. And then Easter Sunday morning, instead of having Facebook Live in the evening on Facebook uh, on Easter, uh, we'll have a, a special uh, morning uh, sunrise service edition of Facebook Live. That'll start at 6.55 a.m. I'm sure Pastor mentioned that. Uh, tonight and on Wednesday as well. But then we will have our Easter service as we typically do at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. So if you have any questions about that, be sure to see Pastor or me or one of the other uh, church offices. We'll fill you in. With that, you are dismissed.